opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Welcome, everyone. Rates have taken a sharp turn upward, which directly affects not only the primary, but the secondary mortgage market. Today on Housing Wire Daily, my guest is senior reporter Bill Conroy to discuss how investors are responding to the rate changes, how non-QM lenders are faring, and foreign investment in mortgage-backed securities. Bill, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, It has been a crazy couple of days. I mean, crazy with uh, mortgage rates and the uh, fallout and, and just the implications for both the real estate agents, but especially mortgage lenders right now, we've seen and we're going to have more. So we have a lot to talk about in your space. You cover the secondary market for us and would love to talk about uh, one of your recent articles on the non-QM players and how they're faring uh, during this time. So tell us a little bit about um, Angel Oak and what happened this week or last week, I think. Yeah, well, Angel Oak uh, came out with their fourth uh, securitization, private label securitization. And, and basically, um, you know, that's a liquidity channel for them. They make loans. They don't want to keep them on the books so they, they can securitize them and use the money from that to make more loans. And, you know, it's uh, I was just looking at the numbers here that, you know, year to date and we're what halfway through the year. That's a, it's about one point seven billion that they've securitized and lifetime, you know, through last year, they did about 10 billion. So they're on a pretty good clip. And you see that with the market. In general, with the private label securities market, it's way above last year, despite all the turmoil out there, you know, in terms of the rates. It's very hard to price these bond issues uh, when rates are bumping up as fast as they are, because as soon as you issue a note or, or securitize, uh, 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 let's say, a, now it probably is closer to four or five, four and a half percent mortgage and the rates jump to five or five, where were we at? A little five, three your notes are suddenly kind of underwater and it's in, you know, you, you, your margins get squeezed because you still have fixed costs to cover. And then you got to, you know, put the notes out at, at a rate that people will buy them. Right. So the, the, the volume is still immense. A lot of that was, some of that was left over from last year where they were securitizing loans that carried forward into 222. But by now they're getting to the newer loans and those have higher rates. So they probably execute a little better. They've been able to bump up the rates and, Non-QM is usually about a point and a half uh, above the agency rates. Um, so, you know, the 30-year, let's say. So they, if they priced them right, if they got ahead of this this interest rate craziness enough, then then they can execute them and, and make a little money on them. But in any event, the, they need the liquidity to keep making loans. So you're seeing, that's what you're kind of seeing in the market right now, at least from the numbers, is um, pretty big ramp up compared to last year in the volume, the dollar volume of deals, uh, total deals. And one thing that, you know, I, I, to keep in mind, it's just not clear from reading the bond uh, rating documents, you know, what the margins are for, for some of these deals when they actually go to, go to the market and get bought. But they're continuing. And so the private label markets, by that measure, is relatively healthy. And, you know, they're the, the one thing that is happening is through the balance of the year, they're predicting less volume each quarter. 
Um, this was a report by Crow Bond Rating Agency kind of forecasting the market. So way ahead of last year, but in a kind of a decreasing crescendo into the balance of the year. And that's that's just a byproduct of, of all this volatility out there that it isn't so much that they, they won't securitize them, but you got to have the loans to securitize. Right. So volumes is expected to drop off a little there. And, you know, one analyst described what the, the, the Fed is doing right now and, you know, in in the battle to fight inflation is they're not only um, destroying demand, they're destroying supply. It's a byproduct of, you know, the tools they have to use. They're pretty blunt objects. <laughs> so the rate rate increases and letting the MBS roll off their own portfolio, all that's contributing to a real messy market right now. And it's it's like it's got headwinds tailwinds and crosswinds you know it's like a it's like a, a it, i guess jamie diamond described it as a hurricane but it, it sometimes feels like it covering this you're like in the middle of a cyclone trying to figure out which direction things are going and that actually that quote um from robbie chrisman the head of content at mct really stood out to me from the story where the fed has created demand destruction by increasing rates and there's an argument it's also created supply destruction, at least for the PLS and loan trading markets, because there are millions of people locked into low rates. And so to your point, that that is a that is a very interesting place to be. Um, and yet, you know, K, KBRA says that uh, still the numbers indicate that about half of, of the mortgage demand um, is now being addressed by non-QM lenders. Yeah, I mean, it, that was surprising to me. Now, now it's half of the mortgage demand based on looking at private label deals, the securitization deals. Not every loan goes into a securitization. Some are sold in the whole loan market. Some are kept on portfolio. So, um, But in terms of the, the deals that are getting securitized, yeah, now about based on the numbers so far, about half of them are non-QM. And that's what folks predicted last year um, going in, you know, well, definitely earlier this year. Uh, the ones that were ahead of the curve saw it coming last year that that we would be moving toward a, a purchase market. Uh, refinances are, you know, just dropped off a cliff. And in that purchase market, the competitive space really is non-QM. I mean, there's a lot of borrowers out there that fit that profile that in some ways really weren't served uh, during, uh, you know, the last, you know, during the low rate environment, because there was so much low hanging fruit, a lot of resources devoted to the refi market and, you know, the easy loans, uh, the easy agency loans and, and the non-QM uh, stuff wasn't really at top of mind. And now everybody, including traditional non-QM lenders, are looking at, at how to craft products to serve that market, which is, if you think about it, it's the gig workers and the self-employed folks and uh, the real estate investors, the investment folks investing in real estate, which can be mom and pops and mainly in the in the RMBS securitization market. There's a separate market for these large kind of Wall Street institutional investors. They do a different kind of securitization, which which we write about and I probably have another story about in the near future. But anyway, yeah, that that is definitely true. So Sometimes it's good to see people are right, right? I mean, the predictions are predictions until they come true. Great point. And you wrote last week about a company, non-QM lender, Accelerate Capital, and kind of how they're looking at this market, what they're doing, how they're expanding. Tell me a little bit about what you found there. I'm actually, because of, because of the number of uh, stories I've done, I've got to kind of refresh my mind. And, and just so the listeners know, I do cheat. I have my stories thrown up on the screen here a little bit. Um, uh, but but basically, yeah. Uh, Thomas Yoon is the, the president at Accelerate, and um, he's been pretty forthcoming both, you know, in prior stories and this one about kind of how they are dealing with with this market. Um, I mean, it, 
because of the growth in non-QM, um, they did have a, a kind of furloughed of less than 5% of the staff a few months back when this rate crisis started. But they've since, he said, since called back most of those people and they're actually hiring on the um, kind of management level. And they still plan, they were going to do two securitizations, their first ones this, this year, but they still say that they reduced that to one because of the, they lost all this time in the in the first quarter. But they're still going to they're still moving forward with that. So really, the message was, you know, you find a way to make your your way through this whirlwind that we're in and, you know, stick to the basics, what you're what you're good at and, um, you know, keep building on it. And they they seem, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen next month or even today, next tomorrow. (laughs) But, uh, you know, earlier in an earlier story, you said and he wasn't. Their company wasn't alone, but they had to make some bets on where rates were going. So they, you know, raised their rates on loans pretty fast. And, you know, at the time it looked pretty extreme. And but it probably was a smart move because now the market quickly caught up to that or went ahead of it. So they're still able to apparently make loans uh, at a decent margin. And although he's predicting less this year, like uh, the, the amount of origination they predicted, um, at the beginning of this year, it was has been trimmed slightly, but they're still going to be way ahead of last year uh, in terms of originations. So that's I guess that's was the, the nature of that story is is just kind of looking at how uh, one lender is you know making some progress against these headwinds uh, just just kind of by you know doing what they always did just get, you know kind of getting their ducks in order and uh, trying to target a market that they think is is still very viable even in this this rate crisis which is that non QM uh, lending market. Hedging is a big part of the, the of, of this in terms of how some lenders have to get through it. If, if you know, uh, one thing we saw earlier is a bunch of the public companies, anyway, mainly because we can see their records, were selling off MSRs, which are mortgage servicing rights, which are you know in this environment have been rising in value because they're basically when the way mortgage servicing rights work is you get you know a contract to get a, a you know a small slice of the interest rate off off of the mortgage pools you're you're servicing and the value of those contracts increases when re- prepayments uh decrease right because that means they're going to pay out longer and prepayments are mainly refinancing so when refinancings drop MSRs can go up in value and a lot of uh, these lenders, the bigger ones, you know, have billions of those on their books and they are able to, you know, sell them at this point to kind of get through this crisis, the cash flow crisis that might, that some of them might have been experiencing and, you know, still post a profit. So that was one way. Another hedge is forward contracts where they actually lock in, you know, uh, somebody orders up particular types of loans and they pool them and, and they they lock those in at a rate for the, for future delivery. So there's 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 ways to manage through this, but it's way above my pay grade. <laughs> and so um but I, I I think you know that's what we'll we'll see as we as as this rate crisis continues. Um there was some hope uh in talking to, to some of the executives in the market that you know things would stabilized by this point you know the first quarter was a loss you know a lost quarter in many ways because that you know rates jumped two points in a matter of you know a couple months and that was really hard to deal with and there has been a little bit of stabilization but now we're dealing with you know as we all know uh, where we sit today uh, on a tuesday tomorrow the fed will announce what 
the new benchmark uh, rate increase will be. Um, and it's, you know, nobody knows if it's going to be 0.5 or 0.75. And that's going to make a huge difference again, because the benchmark rate, I always think of the benchmark rate. Like if, if you ever watch these archeological shows where they stick that long tube down into the sediment to get all the layers of history in the mud. Well, you know, the, the, the benchmark rate is kind of at the bottom of that and it kind of pushes everything else up as it rises. So that's how fast that happens. You know, it, it's all the volatility out there. So that's what these guys are trying to manage to. I don't envy them. Well, I don't either. And, and to your point, it is it is above my pay grade for sure. I do think it's interesting to think that, you know, Accelerate and maybe others have already tried to price in some of these things. Um, and to your point, you know, maybe the people who seemed aggressive on that now are like, oh, smart, but also maybe not even enough. Right. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, that I, At least from what I can tell from my reporting, that that's precisely it. And I, and, you know, I, I, I'm not exactly behind the scenes, but it, well, I'm not at all behind the scenes in terms of, you know, in the boardroom when, or in the offices when they're making these decisions. But, you know, if you figure the non-QM rate is a point and a half above the, let's say, conforming rate or the 30-year the rate for, for agency mortgages, which I think yesterday, I, the story, was it 5.3 it was at, something like that? It bumped up. 5.3, five, five. but we think it's at 5.5 five now. Uh, I mean, actually, that, that was that was yesterday. Right. It's I, changing. I think I mean, it's I, six I, now. I didn't it's, check it's like, today yet. Yeah. So if it was 5.5, five, that means it's 7% seven, seven on a non-QM loan. And people jacking their rates to, you know, when we were at, you know, beginning of the year around three, maybe February, they, you know, might have been about a little bit higher. But as soon as it started jacking up, they had to get ahead of that. And some went as high as six and a half and thought that was enough. That was pretty high. Some went to seven, seven and a half. They're looking better now, right? Because, but they're still not that far ahead of the game. And tomorrow, things next week, it could change again. And that's what, what borrowers are dealing with. I mean, you, the rate locks are getting narrowed, right? And, and week to week, sometimes day to day, like we're talking about, I mean, you know, trying to lock in, you know, yeah, lock in your rate because <laughs> it's not likely to go down. I mean, they do, there are some, you know, fluctuations in that, you know, and I remember that in the last cycle. Uh, where we switched, right? Uh, it wasn't like this one. They're never the same, but there's always a little variation where the rate will bump down and that creates some kind of mini refi boom opportunities down the road. So they, you know, I wouldn't write refis off forever because I think rate volatility works both ways. Usually it's up now, but it, it can drop a little. And if you're at 7% on a loan or 75 or non-QM and the rate the rates drop to seven and a half a point is a lot for a lot of people. It's worth refining, especially on a, 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 the way home prices are now. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's something that, you know, it, it's something that, you know, a, a silver lining and all the gray clouds out there that, you know, um, eventually uh, we'll, we'll get through the crisis. But I don't know. When, I, I just I think people are pretty much nobody knows. Right. I mean, even the best experts on this are all over the map on what comes next. Um, so it's it's truly an unknown unknown ahead of us. Well, and the liquidity, as you as you mentioned before, is just so key, right? Like, what do investors see? What are what is their appetite right now? Um, and and what is that? What does that affect all the way down all the way down the stream, right? To down to consumer. Yeah, there's there is so much going on. Um, like like one of the big big things affecting the the uh, MBS market, um, kind of in the background. Uh, like a, like you know like a roaring engine that that's you know kind of revving up is the Fed you know unloading its MBS 
it's got a $2.7 trillion portfolio of MBS. And it's unwinding that right now by letting it run off. But they want the level they want to get to, I think, $35 billion a month. They probably can't do that just by unwinding. They, you know, many people are speculating they're going to start selling, uh, which they've never done before. But regardless, that extra supply coming into the market, you know, means somebody's got to pick it up. So one of the stories we did was looking at recently was looking at just there's various slices of investors, you know, the insurance companies and, you know, there's, there's all kinds of different, mostly institutional buyers for these, right? But one is foreign investors and and they have dropped in, in, you know, since the crisis to about 12% of that market. Three countries, basically, Taiwan, China, and uh, Japan are the big purchasers. But they were, I think, around, I got to look at the story, but I think it was like five percentage points higher than that traditionally. So there's some room for for foreign investment growth, but we don't know what the appetite for the bond market is totally you know, messed up right now. And people remember as yields rise, prices drop. And what we're seeing is rising yields. And, you know, this is all part of the problem trying to price these just at the beginning level at, at when, when someone, one of the lenders like Angel Oak is trying to price their securitizations, their bonds in the market. It's, you know, it's difficult because you, there's always a lag time between the time you make the loan, you get seasoned it, it's packaged in a loan pool. And then when you actually securitize and sell it and all along that pipeline, the rates of so volatile they've been rising and you're stuck with coupons that are you know losing you know value relatively every week every day so yeah and that and that's some of the some of the dilemmas folks are dealing with and then not not to throw another curveball in it down the road in the future but some people think that's why blockchain can be a solution to some of this because it's a much faster securitization process once it's up and running but we're years away from that so for now I mean, on a on an industry scale. So for now, this is this is what we're up up against: time, time, and money. Right? Time is money. <laughs> That's the way it works. Time is money. I I love that you're um you're covering this beat on all these different levels, and you know you're definitely covering you know the credit risk transfers and the credit insurance risk transfers that Fannie's doing. Um, at the same time that you're like, hey, here's the blockchain, here's the promise of blockchain. But to your point, it's like, but right now it, it looks like this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got to live in the world we're in. And, you know, I I, I mean, the, the nice thing, or the, one of the fun things about covering the beat is, you know, uh, and maybe it's just because I'm a science fiction fan, is I love looking at the future, right? And the promise, usually it's, it usually it's, it could be dystopian, but usually not, right? In this, in this market, and people are looking for solutions, not problems in the future. And so, you know, that's kind of a fun one, but in it, in it, there's some reality, there's some grounded reality in it right now, but we're years away from it. The the mortgage market, as anyone that's in it knows, and as I've discovered, is very fragmented. It's amazing that it works at all, right? <laughs> it's, it involves so many groups having to do so many things in sync to make it work so it's a it's a pretty intricate market um and you know that's the beauty of it and that's also the frustration of it well bill we are glad that you are on the case we will continue looking at your um coverage coming up do you have anything um else this week that you're looking forward to reporting on well i'm i'm working on you know what what i've kind of sliced out is some of the odd they, they call them esoteric deals so um, some of the things that are still on the non-QM spectrum that people don't think about, like the single family rental market, which is another slice of the market that 
because it's based mostly on rents and rents are rising, is is doing better than maybe some of the the straight mortgage markets. Um, and there's there's other odd things too, like uh, MSR backed securitizations, which you know are definitely in the realm of esoteric, but they're happening. So I'm I'm looking at that, and then you know as usual, I'm always looking for a, a big big story. Um, you know, a big package story. And and sometimes that's just stepping back from stuff I've already reported and then figuring out what the patterns are and then talking to sources about if they really are patterns or what they see. You can end up with some 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 insights that I just don't have at this moment. But I'm always looking for that. That's what I'm up to. Uh, just W Conroy, C O N R O Y at housingwire.com. Awesome. And, and we know that I know that you're going to be covering this, um, changing volatility, uh, every single day. It feels like, you know, every hour we have to, we have to, uh, update things. So we'll, we'll, well you know, it's so true. And in any of us that have 401ks and, you know, and I'm, uh, far, far enough down the road where I, I'm, I'm more worried about my 401k than I was 30 years ago. <laughs> We can just see the, you know, you don't have to. Own it's a rough. It yeah, is rough. It's, it, it's rough, and and so yeah, we, we in many ways, in fact, that probably contributes to me spending less, or people like me spending less, or at least psychologically. And in, in so the Fed is accomplishing what it wants to that way. So, I, but I am tomorrow. I am sitting on pins and needles, you know, seeing what the rate's going to be. As I am sure a lot of people are. It's it's it'll be interesting. It, it is an interesting time. I love that you brought up the stock market part because that has a, a very real effect on people and companies, but it also has a psychological effect that you can't discount um, to your point. So, and the older you are, probably the, uh, I know for me, we had a younger member of staff talk about how much he'd lost. And I'd be like, oh, oh, you know, that's, yeah, I, wouldn't yeah. even, I wouldn't even <laughs> thought about that. Like if you've been in this game for a while, like you, you're seeing some pretty significant changes there. So yeah. And, 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 you know, there probably was some adjustment necessary. Uh, I, I, I think, but I'm thinking at this point, unless the country is really in, in deep, deep trouble, you know, some of this stuff is now to the point of being undervalued, but everyone's so afraid, right? And the money's parked and we're, and, and I don't blame them. I mean, where do you put your money right now? When, when the bond market and the stock market and the bond market is the securitization, the mortgage uh, MBS market, it's in such disarray that, you know, you're looking, you know, you're hiding. You're just waiting for this storm to blow over. I think it will. I mean, it always has in the past. And then the money comes back, and, you know, and, and so, you know, that's at least from my perspective, like, hang on, don't, don't dive, don't dive overboard yet. Right. Don't panic. Well, thanks for watching out for all of that for us and for our audience. We appreciate you. And thanks for coming on. All right. It's fun. Take care. have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more. 
Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.